And let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It's on page 1,376. If you've got a Bible like I got. Anybody have that page number? One of you. Okay, so we'll read together. The rest of you follow along in your Bible. As long as it's a good King James Bible, amen? amen. Uh, we'll stay right on the same page. Chapter 6, verse 1. We then... As workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense to anything that the ministry be not blamed. Chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Several years ago, uh, well, it's been many years ago, I heard a statement by Shakespeare. Now, I know nothing about Shakespeare. Uh, I think he wrote a lot of stuff. Or somebody wrote a lot of stuff about Shakespeare. But they had a statement in Shakespeare's writings, to be or not to be, that is the question. To be or not to be, that is the question. So I want to talk today about to be or not to be, that is the question. And I want to apply it to the Christian life. How many of you are glad you say it? I got... Born the first time, May the 17th, 1946, upstairs in my grandmother's bedroom in Canova, West Virginia, 812 12th Street. And that's where I was born the first time. And I'm grateful to God that I was there when it happened. And my mama told me I was there. And a few years later, I tried to remember that event. I've never been able to remember my first birth. Somebody says, if you don't remember your first birth, how do you know you're born? Well, I don't remember my second birth as it relates to the time and date like Miss Judy did. I'd like to have that, but if you were there when it happened, even though you may not remember the day or the time, you better be sure you know you're saved Amen. and had the second birth. Amen. But once you get saved, that's just the beginning point. Once you're born the first time, it's just the beginning point. It even starts nine months before that in the mother's womb. We become a living cell. But that journey of life for the Christian is one that begins and continues to continue, to continue, to continue, to grow and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want us to look at a little, maybe a little different approach today. My outline has eight points. That's just to encourage you. I'm going to speak on one point, okay? Because I know how I am when I get down to having a lot of points. Sometimes I never get to the rest of the points. Dr. Jack Howe says, find a point and drive it home. And maybe I'll do that, the Lord willing, if God so help me to do so. I'll follow my notes more than normal. My throat still gives me a lot of problems. I get out of breath easily. And so you pray for me as I preach today that God's will can be accomplished in our lives. Father, thank you so much for the privilege we have to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for the good singing. Thank you for the reading of the Word of God. I pray, Lord, you'll touch me physically. I'll be able to say that which needs to be said, and may the will of God be accomplished, and I'll thank you for it. 
in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. To be or not to be, that is the question. They also wrote something about Romeo, Romeo, oh, Romeo. I don't even know what that's about. Somewhere in Shakespeare's writing, there's something about Romeo and Juliet. But to be or not to be, that's the question. And the question I want to ask us today, to be separated or not to be separated, that's the question. Salvation has several stages to it. There is the new birth I mentioned a moment ago, but there is that continuing growth in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And the longer you live and the longer I live, it ought to be a desire of ours to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ than when we began. And so when we began our journey years ago or months ago or weeks ago or yesterday, there ought to be a continuing desire to learn better how to serve the Lord, to be separated or not to be separated. That is the question. The Bible says that we are workers together with Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says we are laborers. We are laborers together with God. I want you to think about that thought. Just get it in your mind. We are laborers together with God. We're laborers together with God. God's the senior partner in this relationship. He's the boss. He's the CEO. But we work together in the work of the Lord here and around the world and thank God for the opportunity that we have to be a part of the great work of God. After salvation, we are not to give offense, the Bible says. Let me read it again. Verse 3, chapter 6. Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. Now get this drilled in your heart as, as I give you introduction. We are in the ministry. We've been saved. We're in the ministry. We've been privileged to be a part of the program of God. He wants to make us a co-laborer in the ministry. So, preacher, are you in the ministry? Yes, I'm in the ministry because I'm a minister. Well, what's that make me? You're in the ministry because you're a minister. Every saved individual becomes a minister of the work of the Lord and the work of the Lord to accomplish that which God, with his help, will help us to accomplish in our lifetime. I'll serve my generation. And then I'll die. That's what the book, the book of Acts says. He served David. He served his generation. And then he slept with his fathers. I'm reminiscing a lot more as I get older about the old timers that have passed away. I can list them over and over again. Precious memories, Miss Judy. Think about some of the old preachers and the old timers and the Christian people. They used to be where we were at. And they served their generation. And now they sleep with their fathers. And they've gone home to be in heaven. We're still here, and why are we still left? Why are you still here? Take up space on a pew? God forbid that would be true. Am I just here to go through the motions of serving the Lord and taking the benefits that come and all the blessings? And may I be able to go on flowery beds of ease while others fought through bloody seas to win the battle? Am I one that just sort of can drift along and everything's going to be all right and one day somebody will say a few kind words over me and I'll be in heaven? There's a lot before the, the fact we get to heaven that God's left us here for a purpose. Amen. He has not left us here to take up space. And I say this often and I mean it as I'm trying to work in my own life. He did not leave us here just to make a living. He left us here to make a life. 
And our life is to be like Jesus' life. He wants us to be more like Him every day, more like Jesus every day as we live our Christian life. He was perfect. You say, preacher, there's no way on this earth that I can ever be perfect. Well, He told us to. Well, you say, well, that doesn't make sense. If He told us to be perfect, He said, be ye therefore perfect because I am perfect. Or preacher, I've got a long way to go, and so do I. So I'm talking about a progressive thing that we're to be involved in is becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't do the things I used to do. I don't go the places I used to go. I don't act the way I used to act. You know why? I've been saved by the grace of Almighty God. There's some things that I've dropped off. There's some things I still need to drop off. There's some things I'm learning, and I believe it is a continual learning, learning process. We are to improve ourselves in the ministry and always realizing that we will be approved by God. Yea or nay. One day we'll stand before the Lord and give the account for our laboring in the vineyard with Him. And we'll stand before God, and I want to be improved a lot more than I am. It takes time to improve in your Christian life. Sometimes folks get saved. We want them to be just like us or like somebody else because they don't have the same standard. Their standard may be different, but they're in the process of growth. There's some things I used to do in my growth pattern that I dropped by the wayside. I told you about smoking little cigars the other day, and I'll use the illustration again. I used to love Tipperella cigars. Now, I never had a habit for preaching. I'm not a habit. Never had a habit of smoking. I don't know about the preaching either. But every time you go to the doctor's office, they ask you, did you ever smoke? Did you ever have a habit of smoking? You ever have a habit of alcohol and so forth? They ask those questions. Now, I never had a habit of smoking cigars. I just occasionally would smoke one just for fun. And I like the taste of it, and I like to roll it around in my mouth. I can think about typical cigars to this day and be tempted to want us to go smoke one. You say, well, what you, what's the whole illustration? I was driving up West Virginia Turnpike. That's back when it was a turnpike, I-77 now. I was driving up I-77. I was 18 years of age. I had just given my life completely to God and surrender of my life. I had those little typical cigars above the, above the sun visor. I was driving up the road, and all of a sudden, uh, just a few hours before that, a few days before that, in Louisa, Kentucky, I had bowed on my knees and asked the Lord Jesus to save me from my sins and asked me to, to reassure me that and to call me. He called me into the ministry. Got saved when I was a child, rededicated my life when I was 18, and surrendered to be a preacher when I was 18 years of age. And I was driving up the road, and I said, I don't know what I've got myself into to be a preacher, Lord, but I'll do the best I can. I'll give you me. And I started to reach for the tip of the cigar. I took it out of the little box. I put it in my mouth and began to light it. And all of a sudden, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit of God. This is the truth. It may not work in the same way in your life, but in my life. I rode down the window. I took that pack of cigars, and I threw them out the window. And that's been since I was 18 years of age. I've never smoked one since that day. Now, I put one in my mouth. I want to confess to you. I put one in my mouth. When I was probably 25 years old, probably right before I become pastor here, I rode around in my mouth. Boy, that sure tastes good. And I threw that away and I said, Lord, please help me. Did you see the growth process? I was able to give up my little habit, and I've had other habits I've had to give up over the years that were not like Jesus Christ. What would Jesus do? I can't imagine Jesus coming out on, in Canapa and say, this is Marlboro country. 
I just said, I don't, I don't get that. You say, well, Jesus didn't, he, he didn't smoke. Well, don't you think you ought to try to be improving in your own Christian life and say, Lord, what you want me to do that's better? That can be more like Jesus Christ. What would Jesus do is a good question to ask. And what would Jesus do is found in the Gospels. Well, how Jesus lived, how he acted, how he, how he walked, and he was perfect. I said, he said, be you therefore perfect as I am perfect. So the Lord Jesus looks at me after I've been saved. He's given me the gift of eternal life. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he's given me eternal life. I can live, and I've lived now 77 years. Got saved when I was nine, so I've been saved a long, long time. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the man I was years ago. I'm talking about the progressing in my life that God has worked on me. And the little kids sing the song real well. He's still working on me. I'm not all I ought to be. I am a possibility. He's still working on me. And he's still working on you. If you're saved, are you saved? Then God's still working on you. You say, preacher, is that, what's that got to do with smoking? Nothing except this in my own personal life. There had to come a time in my life when I was willing to lay down something I enjoyed for my testimony because I could not imagine my Lord Jesus smoking cigar. And there are some things even today I can't imagine the Lord doing. So, Lord, let me make an application in my life. None of us are perfect in this world. I understand that. We won't be perfect until we arrive in heaven. I'll have a brand new body, body likened unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I know not what I shall be like, but I know that when I see him, I shall be like him. The greatest pattern in all the world, the greatest person in all the world is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, come follow me and I'll make you. Come follow me. And as I follow the Lord Jesus, as you follow the Lord Jesus, there's some things you're going to drop at the wayside. There are going to be some standard changes in your life. You can't keep on doing the things you used to do and enjoy them if we're sinful. And if the Lord puts his finger on something in your life, or say, Lord, I'm willing to give that up for the cause of Christ. You say, well, preacher, it's going to be very difficult for me. He didn't say everything was easy. I didn't say everything was going to be rosy. As a matter of fact, nobody suffered like the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody went through troubles and trials like the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody had the, the heartaches that Jesus had. And the Bible says about the Apostle Paul, he endured hardness, talking about the Apostle Paul, that soldiers are to endure hardness as a good soldier. Now, what's it got to do with standards? When you join the military, how many has been in the military? Let's see. Raise your hand. Lynn using the Air Force. Fred using the Navy, the CBs. Who else? Will using the Army? Who else? Okay. Any any women in the service? When the, when you joined the army, I was not in the military per se. But when you joined the army, or one of the one of the military branches of our service, sometimes they make you get a haircut. What's that got to do with being a soldier? Don't you think a guy can shoot a gun without a haircut? Remember when Elvis Presley had to get all his haircut off? How many members of those days? I grew up in the 50s and Elvis Presley, when the man he was drafted in the military, had a lot of wavy hair, you know, Elvis did. And one of the first things they had to do was to cut his hair. He had to sit in a chair, in a barber's chair, and they shaved his head for the military. And Elvis Presley did not re re refuse it. He did not fuss about it. 
He just figured if I'm going to be in the military, this is what they expect, that's what I want to do. So he said he had his haircut. And so I don't think it affected whether he could shoot a gun or not. And they also sometimes would say, you keep those shoes shine. Marine drill sergeant comes by and says, I can't see my face in those shoes. You better shine them. Well, what's that got to do with being a soldier? What's that got to do with fighting on the front line? By the way, when you get out there fighting on the front line in the mud up to your knees, uh, your shoes ain't going to be shiny. Well, what in the world are they trying to teach me? This standard of having a haircut or this standard of, of uh, shining my shoes or this standard of keeping the gun clean. I mean, you've got to keep your gun clean. Keep it, keep it looking good and waxing it or whatever you do to a gun. Wipe it down real good and put some oil on it and make it look shiny. You can shoot with a dirty gun. You can kill a Marine or kill an enemy with a dirty gun. But they want you to have a clean gun for inspection. You see, what's it got to do with anything? The same thing in the Christian application. There's things in our life that we need to lay aside that so easily beset us that we may run the race better. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about you know, those besetting sins that we have in our life that sometimes we, we call them pet sins that sometimes we continue to do and never got victory in your life over them. Yeah. And you wonder, what in the world should I quit those? I can enjoy that and still be saved. Yeah, you can go to heaven and not, not give up that pet sin. But I'll tell you what, you'll never be what God wants you to be totally until you get a hold of the pet sin in your life. Well, some folks, pet sins differently, and you can preach a whole sermon on pet sins that folks have that, that stays in the crevices of their life and their heart and sometimes they continue to do things. So you got a Marine. He doesn't have to understand the reason. He didn't stand there. Can you imagine uh, a, a recruit just entering the military and standing there looking at the sergeant and he says, I want you to shine your boots. And he says, why? And the Marine sergeant said, because I said so, that's why. He says, I don't think I want to do it. Now you can see a military guy just joining and arguing with the, the military, drill sergeant. Those drill sergeants sometimes can be mean guys. I mean, they were, they were rough and tough, and they had to be. They're trying to shape you in shape. They wanted you to be able to move at a moment's notice. They wanted you to be able to obey the commands. Shine that shoe, soldier. Cut that hair, soldier. And the military guys, they may not like it, but they would say, yes, sir, to the military officer, at least outwardly. And every born-again child of the living God is confronted with situations in their life because the testimony is on the line. Amen. You're representing me. You're not representing yourself. You're representing me. You ought to act different and dress different and walk different and smell different and be a child of God and say, by the grace of God, I'm glad God reached down, saved my wretched soul from hell, and he's done for me what I could not do for myself, and I'm glad he's redeemed me by the blood of the Lord Jesus. I am willing to give up what God wants me to give up. If God puts his finger on him, may I at least go in prayer and say, oh God, help me be more like you day by day and week by week and month by month until I'm glorified in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, are you mean tonight? Are you mad today? 
If I had a good throat, I would be mad. If I had a throat, I could probably rip and snort for about an hour. Because I need sermons like this. Oh, we get so lazy on God. We act so indifferent sometimes to things of God. This area probably causes more understanding in a church than anything in the world. When you start talking about standards. Sometimes times preachers say, what's your standard for coming to church? Just come to church. Amen. If you have to dress a certain way, you can come to church anyway. When I tell folks about dress, wear the best you got. Amen. Wear the best you got. Now, when they get up on the platform, a little different. They dress a little differently. The higher you rise in responsibility, the more responsibility you have as a Christian. And all people have responsibility unto God as a Christian. I'm not here on a crusade this morning. I'm just here to say somewhere along the way, we probably need to get hold of the fact that we need to be more separate from the world. What kind of movies do you watch? What kind of music do you listen to? I have 25 things that were given to me. I don't have, when I teach a new convert class, and I've got a copy of these. Not judgmental, not trying to preach a sermon. I never try to get unkind of what people say. Is there anything that you've got a question about that you don't think Christians ought to do? So I just write it down. And so for all these years, I've been writing down what people just got saved. They said, I've always wondered, should a Christian do this? Should a Christian drink alcohol? Should a Christian watch dirty movies? And sometimes the answer is self-explanatory, but they're asking questions. And they make the list of things for me as I look at them, because I believe everything that we write down has a biblical answer. We're saved, are we not? Amen. I want to be better, do I not? Amen. Is there some things I'm willing to lay down for the cause of Christ? That should be the yes. Yes, sir, God. We're co-laborers together, and if it makes me a better servant, I want to certainly do it. And as you work on your life, it's amazing. It matter still how he works on your life. And you, I remember... Watching some folks over the years, some things they gave up. Uh, Wayne Marlowe, Wayne's in heaven now. And Wayne was in our church for years, and we were looking for some deacons. And uh, we was talking about praying about Wayne being a deacon. And Wayne had a real problem smoking. We talked about it. I said, Wayne, you'd be, a, you'd be far better not to smoke. He said, I know, preacher, I don't want to smoke. And I said, would you like to be a deacon? He says, well, I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be a deacon or not. But he says, I want to serve anywhere I can. And he said, uh, I said, well, before I can let recommend you to be a deacon, everything else is good, but I've got to have you quit smoking. And uh, Brother Wayne said, pray with me, preacher. There came a day in Wayne's life when he gave up smoking. When he gave up smoking, I placed him on the deacon board, and he was there until the day he died. Amen. Now, that doesn't make him better than you, some of the best Christian in the world are people who are battling things in their life. They're struggling with things. And I'm not here on a condemnation kick. As God works on your life, works on my life, He's still working on me. Oh, yeah. I want to be a better Christian today than I did years ago. I want, to, I want to not list the rules to live by. Somebody said, Preacher, do you live by a bunch of rules? I have no rules to live by except the Word of God. Amen. And sometimes things are not spelled out in detail, but the principle is there. Can I glorify God by doing this? Would it hurt my testimony if I continue to do this? Somebody says, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to do what I want to do. 
No, you come to the place in your life, you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's pleasing to you? And then you wrestle through that. You pray about it and trust God to give you victory. And everybody still, I've used the illustration of smoking today several times. You say, preacher, then you're really harsh on people who smoke. My, some of the best friends I've got smoke. Some of the folks in our church smoke. And that's not a condemnation sermon. I'm just using the illustration. Everybody, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling before God. It's like an old guy said, well, I can chew tobacco and go to heaven. Yeah, but you may have to go to hell to spit. You know, it's a possibility. And, uh, sure, a guy can go to heaven because he chews tobacco. But down in Alabama, they used to dip snuff a lot. I don't know why I'm on this kick today. Some reason it's just... I sort of enjoy it, you know. Ladies dip snuff. Anybody here ever dip snuff? Raise your hand. Be, don't, be, don't, I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's ever dipped snuff? My dad passed in Alabama for a while, and we had a lady, her name was Minnie. Minnie, I'll just leave out the first name. But Minnie dipped snuff. She'd come to the house sometime, and she'd be talking, and she'd turn around off the porch, and she'd spit. She put her fingers like this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I so old? Nobody knows what I'm talking about. And then when and she could spit 20 feet. As a matter of fact, they used to have cans to see if they could, who could hit the can or not. And I'm not saying she, she was a saved lady. She loved the Lord. With running down her face. I wouldn't want to kiss her. But she wrestled with that. I remember Bobby Robinson son telling us another story. Lady was about to die in his church in Walkertown. He's been there for years. And she said, Brother Pastor, said, I'm not doing well, may not make it, but you go get me a can of rooster stuff. He said, Do what now, ma'am? said, I want you to go get me a can of rooster snuff. And Bobby Roberts said, yes, ma'am, I will. He humbly left the room, went to the grocery store, and bought her some rooster snuff. He said, she's died anyhow. <laughs> if she wanted snuff, I'll try to make her happy again. I'm not saying just to find that either, but anyhow. As you live your Christian life, when something pops up that bothers you, take it as a sign from God. And boy, that could be a list of positive things and negative things in our life to be more positive about some things and some things are negative. But don't get caught up in so much that you criticize the other person because they don't. People are growing in great. Jack Howes taught us this years ago. The best Christian in this church is not the best Christian. Boy, that hit me. The best Christian in this church is not the best Christian. Well, who's the best Christian? He said the best Christian is one who just got saved and they want so much to be like Jesus. And they pray and they seek the face of God. And they, they're concerned about their testimony and they're really growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said the best Christian is one who's saved and growing. Sometimes we quit growing. Sometimes we get satisfied and stale in our Christian life and we just sort of wait until the time God's going to take us home to heaven. Well, why has he left us here? To be a testimony by life and by lip? Yes. And to do the very best we can. 
probably the area I said a while ago causes misunderstanding about certain stand. There's no standard for being saved except getting saved. There's no standard. Next, next thing is to get baptized and be obedient to the Lord. That's just part of the requirement of being in the fellowship of church. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's biblical. And then you begin to pray and read your Bible. Let God speak to you. Speak to me, O Lord. Speak to me. It's amazing how the Lord can speak to you this past week and I stumbling through my messages and not being able to articulate. I had at least three people come to my office were crying and said, Preacher, that was the message for me. I thought it was a poor message. I didn't think very much of it myself. I thought I did a terrible job and probably feel the same way today. But they felt like it was the very message for them. See, that's because God works through His Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Amen. And He may speak to somebody right now. Right now, somebody's wrestling something in your life and God's put His finger on it. Why don't you throw up the white flag and say, God being my helper. You say, what if I fall again? You get back up again. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up again. He says, by the grace of God, I want to please God. I want to please, be approved of God. I want to improve my life that I can be approved better at the judgment day, not for my salvation, but for my sanctification, that I was separated from the world. If I'm going to be like Jesus Christ, I've got a long way to go. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, According to this, God has dealt in every man this measure of faith. He said not to be slothful in business, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, constant, instant in prayer, continuing instant in prayer. Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2, really 1 through 12, just pleasing the Lord. Still learning some things in my life are dropping off at 77 years of age. I'm glad for preachers who preach the truth. I'm glad for the word of God that's proclaimed. I'm glad I can hear a message that still pricks my soul. I remember a time about soul winning years ago. I've not done it all the way that I should have. God forbid. I remember a preacher preaching and he held up his hands and preached out of his equal. You will have bloody hands on your hands if you don't tell them. The blood will be required at your hands if you don't tell them. Boy, that message was a convicting message, and I couldn't wait till he got through preaching. I wasn't doing the preaching. I was just a preacher. When he got through preaching, I ran to the altar because it spoke to my own heart. Preachers not above hearing the truth of God. They don't have all the answers, but God has all the answers. And I'm just a sinner saved by grace like you are, and you're a sinner saved by grace like others are. But, oh, God, help me to be more like Jesus Christ day after day after day. God, show me how to live. Show me how to walk in a world that's ungodly and filthy and dirty and abominable. And we listen to things, we watch things that we ought not to see, and yet we want to be a good Christian, and we're losing the victory because we won't become separated from the world. Coming out from among the world, 
and be ye separated, said the Lord. I don't think Paul would mind me using illustration was trying to get a new phone. I had a new phone. To, I got a new phone. to. He was installing my stuff in. And as he was installing it, we got to Facebook. And we got to Facebook. Every, every other blank was a woman in nudity. Well, that's not on my phone. It sure was popping up. And we talked about it in the office. And Paul was able to do some high-tech stuff. I don't know what he does. He just got the ability to do it. He changed the... What have you changed? And it disappeared. But it's still, if you're not careful, things pop up on the computer and on your Facebook. And your kids are watching stuff. Don't stick your head in the sand and think they're not doing it. They're shrub, they're sharp, they know how to do it, and sometimes they know more than the parents know about computers. If you want to know anything about computers, ask your grandkids. They can do it frontwards and backwards. And then you're battling these things and the devil is throwing everything he can at you. I need to be sanctified, holy unto God. Lord, help me to be the very best Christian I can. Help me to dedicate myself. And if there's some area there, help me to find a way to combat the evil virus, the evil things that may come toward me because it will destroy your life eventually and cause you ruin, wrecking havoc, havoc. And our children are being captivated by things all around the world, especially coming out of China. What's that uh, TikTok thing? Did you know in China they only teach TikTok certain things to the Chinese people to help them be more productive and to be better people for the, for the country's cause? But the TikTok in America is open a floodgate of immorality. Yeah. Oh, I've got to have my TikTok. I don't know what altogether TikTok is. But if God was sitting beside you, would it be all right to watch it? Would it be all right to do some of the things that we find ourselves doing? God forbid. None of us are immune. Let's get serious about this world. This world is not a friend of grace. This world hates you. The devil is a spearhead to God of this world. And he wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy my life. And by the good grace of God, the only answer we got is be you separated from the Lord. And it starts with point number one. And I finally got there and it's time to quit. Point number one, I'll leave it with you today. I'd rather be safe than sorry. Amen. But point number one is letter S. Surrender your will to God's will. Listen very carefully. I'm through in five minutes. Psalms 40 verse 8. I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is written in my heart. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, except unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is the good and perfect and holy will of God? I surrender to do God's will. You have a will. God has a will. God wants to will. He wills that you be saved. He wants you to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. At the same time, he's also willing to help you and me to become more like him day by day and week by week. May God help us today to be willing to surrender our will. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I remember somebody praying that prayer who was a perfect man. 
I remember somebody praying that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that when the blood was oozing from his body and his sweat turned to blood as he looked down through the quarters of time and saw 2024 on his mind. The songwriter says, I was on his mind when he was on the cross. And in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says that Jesus said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Remember he called him Father? Remember? Father, not my will, but thine be done. Remember on the cross what he called him? Oh, my God. My God. He didn't say Father on the cross. At the very beginning of his suffering, he began to say, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was taking the place of the sinner. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he drank what we call the cup of iniquity. He looked into that cup and saw my sins. He looked in that cup and saw your sins. He'd never touched sin. He was the pure Son of God. But He took that cup of iniquity and said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. The blood oozing from His body as He sweat in prayer until blood was all over His body. He grabbed that large stone perhaps or a rock in the garden of Gethsemane, wrapped his body around it, stretched every nerve he had around that and said, Oh God, I surrender. What he was saying, I need your help. And he took my sin in his own body that I could be righteous like He is. For God is righteous and God is pure. And Jesus took the sins of every man, woman and girl from Adam and Eve to the last soul that shall grace this earth and drank that sin in His own body and took it to the cross. And Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. But Jesus washed it white as snow. When we sing those songs and rejoice in the blessing of the Lord, is anything too much to give up for Christ? Yeah. I'd like to do thy will, O oh my God. The Bible says, surrender yourself. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It is a deliberate decision. Throw up the white flag. It's a choice like salvation. I've got to choose to be holy. God won't make me holy unless I choose to be holy. God won't make me pure unless I choose to be pure. God has left the free will in myself to make the decision. I chose salvation by free will. I choose surrender free will. Lord, not my life, not my will, but your will be done. There was a chicken and a pig walking down the road. They come to a restaurant and said, ham and eggs, $1.99. And the chicken turned around to the pig and said, you know, it's amazing what we do for people and they can enjoy the blessings of breakfast and the pig said easy for you all you do is make a contribution I've got to make a sacrifice and the Lord said I want you to make your sacrifice make your contributions fine but he said I want you to be a sacrificial Christian I surrender all we sing a decision a decisive decision. If the Bible says it, 
I will obey it. I like what R.U. says. If God's against it, I'm against it. Is that good enough? Well, how to know what God's against? There's a book right here. Then you find out what God's against, and you become against it. You say, but I don't like it. He didn't say whether you like it or not. He says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Love not the world, neither things that are of the world, for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of the life is none of the Father, but it's of the world. Boy, I need that. You say, preacher, are you perfect? Pray for me. I sure would like to be, but I'm not. I got feet of clay, just like you got. And we're all tempted in points of one kind or another. And I could sit here for an hour or two, and if you was honest, you would say, This bothers me. I'm battling this in my life. I know I shouldn't be doing it. I know I ought to change styles, I ought to change the music I listen. Some of you guys are listening to country music. Filth and dirt. You listen to it. Amen. You say, Well, preacher, you, you have no right to say that. As God's representative today, if something affects your Christian life, I got a right to say it. Amen. It affects my. We had a guy got saved one time, and he was hooked on rock music. And uh, he uh, he says, "Preacher, I can't give it up. I love it." I mean, he's back in talking about rock and roll. And I said, "Let's pray about it. Let's see what God does." Well, before long, he came back in. He said, "Preacher said." I don't listen to hard rock anymore. I said, well, praise the Lord. He says, but I'm still listening to soft rock. I think he went through several different kind of rock style, punk rock, all that kind of rock. He went through all those. He came back in and eventually he said, well, preacher, I'm not listening to soft rock. I said, well, hallelujah. He said, yeah. I said, I gave up hard rock. I gave up soft rock. I've given up punk rock. He said, Preacher, just to be honest, with a big smile coming to his face, he says, I've just given up all that rock and roll stuff. I'll take the best rock and roll music in the world. When the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. Oh, Christ, the southern rock I stand. Oh, other ground is sinking sand. When you begin to put your priorities right, you'll change your listening patterns. You'll change your looking patterns, your, your sitting patterns. Every pattern you have in your life, you'll say, God, help me to be the very best Christian I can. And with God's grace, and I'll be man enough and woman enough to face whatever. And I'll get it back up if I have to. I don't want to fail. I don't want to falter. But I know he loves me. I know he cares. He reached farther down than I could reach up. And Lord, I need help. In my Christian life, I don't want anybody to misunderstand the message. You're not saved by rules. You're saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He wants us to be better. And, and my, I don't know if I'm getting the message across or not. I'm sort of wrestling and battling my throat. But did I make sense? Or am I just preaching to the to, to the air. I got a short life left. If I let it be a hundred, a short life. I don't have long. I'm rededicating myself to the cause of Christ. The best I, I told the Lord, Lord, if you help me preach, I'll preach. I got to have the anointing of God or not do it. Would you pray for me? Somebody told me this week, I want to finish well. I want to finish well. It's one of my goals of 10 goals of my life. Number 10 is to finish well. 
and if I got to finish it with not being able to speak distinctly and not being able to call things in my mind like I want to, the Lord knows. I'll leave it with God. I'll go as long as I can. I don't know when the time to step down. Somebody asked me, when are you going to step down? Yesterday. <laughs> I just rededicate myself to the cause of Christ until... And when that time comes, you'll know. I'll know. We serve our generation. And then we sleep with our fathers. Are you saved? If I get on my knees and beg you, would you come? Are you dedicated to God and say, Lord, I love you. I want to be faithful. I love the Lord Jesus. Could I get on my knees and beg you? Would you be willing to come? Is there an area of your life that you're battling? You don't have to tell the preacher unless you want to talk to somebody, some great Christian about it. But people think battles. That, that, I don't think any less of anybody for some of the things they do. I just wanted to move up another notch. I want to move another notch. I like preachers to rip my face off every once in a while. Don't you? Amen. You know what's, what's amazing? I, and I'm through, I promise you. I love to close my sermons. I close three or four times. And, uh, but I've had many a preacher, so much more to go, just rip my face off spiritually. And then I walked up to his hand, you know what I said? Thanks. For the message today. If somebody just clean your plow real good, every once in a while Christians need that. Amen. May God help us today to do what's right. If you need to come to the altar for any reason, you come. Let's pray together. Let's settle some things. Let's rededicate ourselves to the cause of Christ. It's bigger than us. Must I be carried on flurry beds of ease? Well, others fought through bloody seas to win the prize. God forbid. God forbid. Stand together, please.